about three or four seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Uh-huh. You don't need to see his identification. I didn't ask to see his identification. These are not the droids you're looking for. Who said we were looking for droids? You can go about his business. All right, fine. He can go about his business. Answer my partner's question. We can go about our business. What are you doing with your hands? Business. Come on, old-timer. Just settle down. Move along. All right, all right. Move along, move along. What the hell is that? Old, that's old Ben. He's crazier than a shithouse womp rat. Uh, anyway, check out what I got in the mail from Jed's Toy Hut. Oh, man. That's a Phantom Menace electronic battle droid blaster rifle. That's electronic light and sound, light-up barrel and weapon sounds for the movies, light-up laser action, targeting scope, realistic movie styling, made by Hasbro and long out of production, and requires two AA batteries. But you took it out of the package. I, I like playing with my stuff, but if you've four-strangled your inner child and want to keep everything open, unopened, fine. Jet's Toy Hut goes above and beyond to get it to you in tip-top shape. Seven box sizes, hand-packed, and they use whatever it takes to make sure your item never moves. That's awesome. Actually, I think those were the droids we were looking for. What? Hey! Halt! Or shoot! <laughs> Run blaster, man. Toyhut.com. All too easy. Tonight on Reliquary Hunter. Hey guys, the Saintometer's at 9.5. I'm Joe Fulgham. Good thing about ghost weddings? She's not going to have trouble fitting in that dress. I'm Kevin Leeson. If life gives you bones, you make a bone church. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. The word origin for body comes from Old English bodig, meaning chest of a man or animal. So body is really just like upper body. The trunk. Right. And it just expanded out to... Uh, that in, even makes sense. Encapsulate everything else. Like if you say somebody got a body shot, right? Like, you know, somebody got shot in the body. That's, okay. You're thinking of torso chest, right? It sounded dirty to me at first when you said that. Well, body shots have also become, you know, you pour the booze on them and lick yeah. it off. Yeah. But I mean like, you know, head shot, foot shot. Body shot. Okay, got it. It came to mean corpse uh, from the late 13th century. And to snatch comes from early 13th century uncertain origin. Oh. So huh. I just made up the word. Yeah, snatch. Aliens landed and gave us the word snatch. That was the, uh, that was the plot behind Prometheus, right? An alien snatch? Well, it, it would have been a better plot behind Prometheus. Boo. And, of course, grave comes from the pre-Indo-European root grev. Oh, of course. Which means <laughs> to dig or scrape oh, okay. or scratch. All right. So it's uh, you dig a hole and that's where you put your body. Yeah. Body snatchers are also called resurrectionists or resurrection men. I like that. Resurrect- that's, that, that's like a, a janitor being called a sanitation engineer. Correct. I don't think they know what resurrection means, though. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Like, you know, it's not just about bringing out into the sun again. I don't think you know what that word means. Now, I couldn't find a phobia of uh, body snatching or grave robbing, but I did found harpaxophobia, the fear of being robbed. And, of course, necrophobia is the fear of death or dead things. Right. So I submit to you Har- that necroharpaxophobia or harpaxonecrophobia. Yeah. Is the fear. The of, second one rolls off the tongue more. 
Yeah. Being the fear of uh, your body being your snatched, body being snatched yeah. after you die. Now, body snatching is the secret disinterment, which of course means to take out of the ground, mm-hmm. of corpses from graveyards. A common purpose of body snatching, especially in the 19th century, was to sell the corpses for dissection or anatomy lectures in medical schools. A related act is grave robbery, uncovering a tomb or crypt to steal artifacts or personal effects rather than corpses. I have chosen oh. to mostly focus on the snatching, the snatching of the bodies. Right, right. But of course there may be. It's related. So historically, in the UK, before the Anatomy Act of 1832, the only legal supply of corpses for anatomical purposes were those condemned to death and dissection by the courts. Hmm. Right? Okay, so you could get sentenced to death, and then it was legal for those bodies to be right. repurposed for medical purposes. Precisely. Okay. They, so, But there's a lot of medical schools. How many people were they killing? Well, I'll tell you. Such sentences did not provide enough subjects for the med- medical schools and private anatomical schools, while during the 18th century, hundreds had been executed for trivial crimes. By the 19th century, only about 55 people were being sentenced to capital punishment per year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, obviously, the crime was down. That's what happened? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. When I'm dead, you're going to cut me up and use me for science? Fuck that. I'm not stealing this loaf of That's bread. That's right. It was a deterrent. Uh, however, with the expansion of the medical schools, as many as 500 cadavers were needed. So, there's a bit of a deficit. We've got a cadaver gap. We must fill this cadaver gap. That is the worst store in the strip mall. The cadaver gap. The cadaver gap. Therefore, the medical profession turned to body snatching to supply the deficit of bodies fresh enough to be examined. Stealing a corpse was only a misdemeanor, not a felony, and was therefore only punishable by fine and imprisonment rather than with hanging. Okay, well, I mean, I kind of see that because they're already dead. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, eh, who cares? It's anybody who may be killing people to provide their bodies for medical schools, right. like good old H.H. H. Holmes in... Uh... Yeah, the wrongness of this is really hard to kind of argue out rationally and yeah. non-emotionally, because I, I know that once I'm dead, I really don't care. Yeah, you're like, like it's uh, almost like a pile of dirt, As right? long as you're sure that I'm dead, I'm give my body to science, use it for something useful, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you kind of want to know while you're alive that you'll at least be treated with some kind of respect, right? So the way that we treat other people's bodies now that we're alive is kind of how we think we want to be treated in the future. But wh- but why? Like, it's just, it's kind of an emotional thing. I think I'd be flattered if a necrophiliac took a shine to me. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> and that's what his tombstone read. <laughs> his tombstone will go, Kevin, you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll like and it'll little... have a picture of me shrugging with my dick out. <laughs> eh, you asked for it. You're dead. You don't care. The trade was a sufficiently lucrative business to run the risk of detection, particularly as the authorities tended to ignore what they considered a necessary evil. Yeah, because they're, all the doctors are kind of like, we need them. Yeah, yeah. and they're dead. Yeah. And, I mean, you're using them to, in theory, advance medical science and save lives in the future, which is more important than saving lives in the future or... Saving cadavers yeah. in the present. And if you do it right, I, I would hope that some people might not even know that the bodies are gone. They'll still go to the grave... 
They'd be like, oh, they turned over the dirt and it's nice and fresh. <laughs> well, Dad, it's been a year and I really miss you. Here's some flowers. Goodbye. And for all for all they know, it's no, the same. I bet you in this period, the sod business went through the roof, too. They had a boom time mm-hmm. you know, laying fresh sod. And, you know, if you were expert in making it blend seamlessly with the grass around it, you were a, uh, in high demand. One rather prolific grave robber was John Bishop, who admitted to stealing between 500 and 1,000 corpses. About um, almost two whole years of corpsey. Uh, now, uh, yeah, over what span of time? Because if you did that over 50 years, meh. <laughs> hey, it's still way more than I've got. Yeah. Like, what? Still, I couldn't you know catch what I mean? It. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, but he also admitted to murdering three people to sell their bodies, including a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, see, there. That's, that's, now okay, does yeah, he have bragging now, rights? Now, yeah, now, now his on. numbers are completely in question. Now, look, yeah. if you start... Uh, no. This is grave robbing, not grave stuffing. <laughs> yeah, not grave creating. It's, it's like it's a vote and he's stuffing the ballot box with fake votes. Th- this is exactly oh, what that's like. One method the body snatchers used was to dig at the head end of a recent burial. Digging with a wooden spade, being quieter than metal. Okay. Uh, when they reached the coffin, they broke it open because you don't need to uncover the whole coffin. You just need to cover, cover the, the head and shoulders. Head. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Uh, then you would put a rope around the corpse and uh, pull it out, drag it out. Okay. All right. They were often careful not to steal anything such as jewelry or clothes, as this would cause them to be liable to a felony charge. Right. Right. Ah, and it was, you know, probably the sale of the body was worth more than whatever paltry things the family would have left in the grave could be well you know extra profit is still can be worth it but yeah. wise of them to not take it yeah. mm-hmm. now the lancet the distinguished medical journal mm-hmm. reported another method a manhole sized square of turf was removed 15 20 feet away from the head of the grave okay and a tunnel dug to intercept the coffin which would be about four feet down dun Dun, 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 that dun, seems like dun, way dun, more digging dun, than necessary. Dun, dun. The end of the coffin will be pulled off and the corpse pulled up through the tunnel. The turf was then replaced, and any relatives watching the graves would not notice the small remote disturbance. Okay, so it was to to avoid detection of any kind. Yeah, any 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 people, relatives who are watching, because this was obviously... A this, big thing that was happening all the time. This guy obviously did not have that that extra good turf guy that I was talking about yeah. just a few seconds well, ago. I mean, they'd they like watch the grave overnight, right? Friends and relatives would watch overnight. You know what I would want to know? I'd want to know if you know grave robbers would kind of like go up to the wake and see if like anybody was showing up to see is this guy loved because we probably should just avoid stealing his body. But uh, you know, if he's kind of uh, you know not a lot of not a lot of fans, and no one's really going to be able to pay yeah, that much attention, yeah. you know, sure. they have this like psych- psychological like familial component to their their hunt. But this method seems weird to me because if you're watching over the grave and somebody's digging twenty feet away, <laughs> and just say, ah, it's not my problem. Maybe they always just like made sure it was the graves that were like next to a wall, right? <laughs> like digging <laughs> under the stone what wall. What does that sound? Cool, blimey, we're going to get that body out of this grave or what? Did you hear something? On at least one occasion in Dublin, the staggering home technique was used to transport a dead body from the graveyard. Oh, the pretend he's drunk and just carry him like shoulders, shoulders? Yeah. The weekend at Bernie's? Nice. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Dressing a corpse in clothes and two people supporting it on either side while pretending the body was 
their drunken friend. <laughs> How dry I am. <laughs> I like that. That's inventive. You think it was they, they actually came up with that one accidentally because they were like carrying this body and a copper came around the corner. They're like, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, buddy, maybe. <laughs> uh, ooh, stay on your feet there, chum. That were the, the first invention of the my friend's dead drunk pun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where the term came from, I'm sure. You body snatching? No, we're just partying, man. <laughs> now, many tactics were employed to protect the bodies of relatives. Mm-hmm. So okay. here's some countermeasures. Some uh, defense mechanisms. Yeah. Of course, police were engaged to watch the burying grounds, but were often bribed or made drunk. Oh, nice. Made nice. drunk. Yeah. Shoot him with the drunkenator ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm fucking wasted. That's why they call it shots. Ooh, here's the spite countermeasure. <laughs> Catapult. Tripwire and catapult. You try and dig him out, it flings him like in the county over. You set up that catapult before the body gets lowered in. Yeah, exactly. As soon as it hits, a spring goes off. Fwing! <laughs> right. And if you, target it right, it, town. if you target it right, it lands in the university. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the body snatcher. Oh, okay. The body flingers. Yeah, I was going for the spite countermeasure, but, you know. Uh, spring guns were set in the coffins. Spring guns, so yes. if you crack the lid open, it would shoot you. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is really, really protecting the sanctity of your relative's body. And if you didn't have a, the money for a spring gun, you can just uh, leave items like a stone or a blade of grass or a shell to show whether the grave had been tampered with or not. But that's okay. kind of too little too late as yeah. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they took them. <laughs> <laughs> well... So much for that, man. Iron coffins were used frequently, or the graves were protected by a framework of iron bars called mort safes. (laughs) Mort safes. Mort safes. Of course, not for the the Latin term mort, but because they were sold by Mort Salberg. Yeah, Yeah. Mort Salberg, exactly. You're going to love the mort safe. (laughs) It will keep your family safe after they've passed on. (laughs) Trust me, I'm mort. (laughs) That actually wasn't half bad. (laughs) Thank you. I must be crazy to sell these mod safes at these prices. <laughs> People are dying to get my product. <laughs> oh, these were iron or iron and stone devices of great weight in many different designs. Often they were complex, heavy iron contraptions of rods and plates padlocked together. Uh, it would be removed by two people with keys. Okay. They were placed over the coffins for about six weeks, then removed for further use when the body inside was sufficiently decayed. Yeah, to because be of, of no course, further use to the, the grave robbers were only interested in getting the fresh corpses for yeah. that section. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard of Chinese ghost marriages? Uh, no, but I want to. Sounds there, familiar. There are a few different kinds. Okay. But perhaps the most grisly and the most relevant to our topic. Mm hmm. Chinese tradition demands that husbands and wives always share a grave. Sometimes when a man died unmarried, his parents would procure the body of a woman, hold a wedding, and bury the couple together. So they What? Why? Disinter the corpse. Have a wedding. Have a wedding. With their son, with son's corpse. Yeah. So you prop your dead son up with a dead body of a girl. That he never met while alive. he never met while alive. And then bury them. And then bury them together. The custom has a long history in the legends of the classical romance of the Three Kingdoms. The warlord Chao Chao finds a corpse bride for his son who died 
in 208 AD at the end, at the tender age of 13. I just had a vision of this uh, Asian warlord as a little chow dog <laughs> wearing armor. Sorry. It's the, uh, chow chow. This is the plot to Kung Fu Panda 3. The practice is most common in the northern provinces of Shangxi, Hebei, and Shandong. This is China's coal mining heartland in mountainous Shangxi, Pit accidents kill many men too young to marry. Compensation to the family is spent on giving their son a wife in the afterlife. Okay. All right. A black market has sprung up to supply corpse brides. Marriage brokers, usually respectable folk who find brides for village men, account for most of the middlemen. At the bottom of the supply chain come hospital mortuaries, funeral parlors, body snatchers, and murderers. Now... In healthy civilizations, we would concentrate on not having so many young men die. <laughs> well, that is a... Give them uh, time to meet a nice living... And, and the women, they're all dead too. Uh, Why don't we focus our, our efforts on stopping them from dying young? No time. <laughs> no time. Marry them when they're dead. Uh, in 2007, a newspaper reported that demand for corpse brides had led to a sustained inflation. A top quality piece of wet, recently deceased merchandise that would have sold for a few thousand yuan four years ago now now goes for 30,000 to 40,000 yuan. Jesus. That's 4,000 to $5,000. Good Lord, just so you can bury your son with a woman? In contrast, dry goods, <laughs> long buried. So a pepperoni? Uh, yeah. Is that what we're talking about here? Fetch pepperoni just stick? 300 to 500 yuan. Down the Shangxi coal mines. Who cares if it's a long dead or short dead woman? You're burying them with your son. In six weeks, they will be indistinguishable from one another. So you're trying to talk rationally to the people who are getting their dead son married to a dead woman he's never met. You're trying to use rationality? Yes, Joe. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. In one instance in the late 1990s, a grave robber dropped his mobile phone at a grave he had plundered. (laughs) He was arrested and confessed to strangling six women and selling their bodies. Killing for corpses, mm. he said, was an easier way to make money than digging them out of the ground. Ah. Oh, yeah. Agree or disagree? Uh, oh, I digging st- is like one single dig into the ground with a <laughs> shovel. That's enough to kill somebody. Like, chunk. If that ground was made out of healthy bodies. Yes. And you were calculated how many strokes yeah. of the shovel you had to you make. You probably do at least 10 murders worth of effort oh, yeah. to get a body He's, out of the ground. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This guy's just a canny entrepreneur. Uh, now, of course, the United States systematically plundered and destroyed many Native American sacred sites. This practice continued well into the 20th century until it was banned by the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act in what year, gentlemen? Take your guesses. 1975. Oh, split the difference. 1990. Oh, wow. Oh, there you go. I knew it was ridiculously late, though. It yeah. had to be. Yeah. Uh, if Hollywood has taught me anything... It's Kevin Costner could solve all the Native the, Americans' problems. There are Native American graves being plundered or des- desecrated pretty much constantly. That's why it became it's happening so much in through the seventies and eighties that they had to like and, get on. And if Hollywood has and if Hollywood has taught us anything, those spirits of those dead are seeking vengeance constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and making houses in, inhospitable collapse into themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, in South America, Dentista de la Mie Noite. I think you mispronounced that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, midnight Dentistry. 
Oh, okay. Is a common practice in which the grave robber breaks into mausoleums and steals gold teeth from corpses. Ah, okay. So that's more the grave robbery. Midnight dentistry. This is this whole like sanitation engineer thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and it's both a step up and a step down from the guys who steal copper tubing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, on the one hand, it's gold. On the other hand, it's teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are, of course, some specific cases. Uh, Ed Gein. Is that how you pronounce it? Gein? I thought it was, it was a Gein. How's it spelled? G-E-I-N. G as in guy. Uh, long E as in bead. So it is. Gein. Gein. Okay. Uh, the infamous source of inspiration for Norman Bates and Leatherface exhumed bodies from graveyards and created trophies out of their bones and skin. Mm-hmm. He made lampshades and stuff out of dried skin. And then there's the case of German radiologist Count Karl Tanzler. Okay. I heard about this first on the Useless Information podcast. All right. He worked at a U.S. Marine hospital in Florida. Mm-hmm. He claimed to have been visited by visions of a dead ancestor who revealed to him the face of his true love, an exotic dark-haired woman. Call back to our psychosis episode. (laughs) Uh, In 1930, when he was 53, he met and became obsessed with a young Cuban-American tuberculosis patient, Elena de Hoyos. Mm -hmm. Sounds sexy. Who he recognized, (laughs) quote-unquote, As his true love from his visions from years prior. Ah. This Tan- sounds like uh, drawing conclusions where there may possibly have not been any prior. Tanzler attempted to treat Elena of her tuberculosis mm-hmm. and showered her with gifts. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, Elena died a year later in 1931. Tuberculosis does that to people. Two years after that, Tanzler mm-hmm. removed her body from the mausoleum that he had paid for. Oh, wow. Carting the body on a toy wagon to his home. Okay. Oh, boy. So now the full, like, mental breakdown is taking hold, where he doesn't even try and hide his crime. Tanzler attached the corpse's bones together with wire and coat hangers, uh, fitted the face with glass eyes. Mm -hmm. As the skin of the corpse decomposed, Tanzler replaced it with silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster of Paris. Okay. As the hair fell out of the decomposing scalp, Tanzler fashioned a wig from Hoyos' hair that had been collected by her mother and given to Tanzler not long after her burial in 1931. Okay. Tanzler filled the corpse's abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original form, dressed her remains in stockings, jewelry, and gloves, and kept the body in his bed. Oh, my God. So this is just like a really gross real doll. (laughs) He's an innovator. Tanzler also used copious amounts of perfume, disinfectants, and preserving agents to mask the odor and forestall the effects of the corpse decomposition. So who wants to make a bet that he had sex with it? Well, though not reported contemporaneously, Uh research revealed evidence of Tanzler's necrophilia with Hoyos' corpse. Uh, Two physicians who attended the 1940 autopsy of Hoyos' remains, and and I'll get to that in a second. Recalled in 1972 uh, that a paper tube had been inserted in the vaginal area of the corpse that allowed for intercourse. Others contend that since no evidence of necrophilia was presented at the preliminary hearing in 1940, and because the physician's proof resurfaced so much later, after 30 years, Uh that the allegation is questionable. No existing contemporary photographs of the autopsy or photographs taken at the public display show a tube. Okay. 
And even so if there maybe, was one there, he mm-hmm. may have just put one there thinking this needs to be open. Propped maybe up. he didn't do yeah. anything to it. <laughs> you don't sound so sure. I don't so like sure. that I, well, at first I was like, I should talk about this. And then as I was saying <laughs> it, I was like, I should stop talking about this. So nine years after he took the corpse, uh-huh. uh, Elena's sister heard rumors of Tanzler sleeping with the disinterred body of her sister. Confronted Tanzler and made the um, discovery. <laughs> Tanzler was arrested and detained, but the case was dropped and he was released what? as the statute of limitations for the crime had expired. Because he's had the after body nine for years. nine years. Yeah. yeah. What is the statute of limitations on grave robbing? I guess it doesn't really Less matter. Less than nine. Probably <laughs> eight and a half. Seven sounds, I don't know why, but seven sounds like a statute of limitations well, it's, number it, to me. That's how long you have to keep your uh, tax Texas. records. There you go. Oh, oh, yeah. It's so, all the same. <laughs> same thing. Body stealing, <laughs> body snatching, or hold on to your taxes. <laughs> uh-huh. Seven years. Uh, has anyone ever been to a town in the Czech Republic called Kutnahora? No. No? You haven't uh, stopped I've never been to the Czech Republic. Okay. Well, there's a town. It's not very far outside of Prague. It's like a 30, 40-minute train ride. It's called Kutnahora, and they've got what's referred to as a bone cathedral. Oh, right. There was a uh, a small, like, hamlet church that had uh, had, had a... Um, been hit with the plague when it was a, a bustling silver mining right, town back right. in the middle ages and so they people had died far too quickly for them to bury them in this small right. small village so they just uh, did mass graves or like it left bodies piled up around like on the grounds and just let them rot and uh, for years and after a while, this church became got to the point where it, it didn't have enough of a of a congregation to keep going. So the, the Catholic Church was going to decommission it, so they wouldn't get any money before. And the priest who worked there, whose job it was to maintain these grounds, right, got a little desperate, and so he decided he was going to appeal to the local feudal lord mm-hmm. uh, and get them to sponsor the church to keep it open instead of the church directly. Instead of, like, from the Pope. Okay. So what he decided was he was going to have to spruce the church up. So uh-huh. he, he dug up all the bodies and took all the bones oh. and made furniture. Right. Uh, chandeliers. Yes. In fact, one chandelier features every bone in the human body. Oh. Uh-huh. Right. Made sure that every single bone was used in the in the construction of one of the chandeliers. Uh, he created just, like, giant, and all the bones that he left over, he just created giant mounds. But the crowning glory, the touch that was supposed to turn the ruling family uh, to his side, was he created other family crest. Oh, out of bones. Out of bones. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and thought that that was going to uh, win the day and get them to uh, sponsor the church. I do not think it worked. But it is now like a little kind of gruesome tourist trap. Yeah, yeah sounds like is, a caustic soda road trip to it's me. It's called mm-hmm. the Sedlik Ossuary. Mm-hmm. And I've got an excellent photo here uh, showing off, I believe, that chandelier. That is the chandelier. That's the one. That, that is has... pretty crazy <laughs> bunch of bones. <laughs> Ooh, maybe they sell little replicas. Oh, they don't. There's a woman at the front door. It's a, it's an incredibly small church and is not large in any way, shape, or form. I can't see God for all the bones. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Because he just, they, whatever bones he had left over, he just created these giant mounds of bones. Like right. there's like really no there's floor to space sit around here. left for churching any longer. Oh, he created like a little like Jesus triptych. He's got a crosses made out of bones. Like, Why is my pew cracking when I sit on it? <laughs> 
<laughs> you sit on the pew and like a, 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 a pinky digit like pokes you right in the butt. <laughs> oh, ow! Mm, kind of getting used to it. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> now in the science section, how much is your body worth today? Oh, like uh, meat-wise? Like, is this like the Kids in the Hall sketch? Like, how much do you think I could get for my head? <laughs> if my head were made of veal. Yeah. Which, which I know it is not. <laughs> uh, aren't we, like, ridiculously cheap if you bring us down to our component elements? Like, well, like uh, water. Like, less than 20 bucks or something? Ooh, maybe if we... If we... Although, if you count that water as bottled water, it's super expensive. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got about, you know, six bucks a bottle of water, probably. Well, not according to Ben Good, a BSc in biomedical science at the University of Southampton. Okay, let's hear it. The average human is made up of 54 different elements, ranging from carbon, the most prevalent, to radium, the least prevalent. Okay, he's breaking us down to our elements. Yep. That's, you need some pretty specialized equipment to do that. This is all theoretical. He's okay. a scientist, man. I don't, I don't think he's actually Ner- broken down a corpse and sold it okay. to see what it could make. Nerd alert. Yeah. Uh, the cost for the pure element uh, comes mainly from chemicool.com. <laughs> that, that is the greatest name for something that's not great. Chemicool. I've heard in quite some time. Uh, the following data are relevant for an adult of approximately 70 kilograms. The data offers no distinction between men and women, but it is likely that there would be some variation. So 70 kilograms is about like 180 pounds. Here are the 15 most abundant elements in the body. I'll read them off quickly. All right, let's do it. Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iron. Okay, none of that surprises me. There's some new thickest lyrics right there. <laughs> Which do you think is the most expensive? Iron. <laughs> Calcium. Hydrogen. Oh. oh, really? There's about seven kilograms of hydrogen mm-hmm. in the human body. And at $100 per kilogram, that's $700 right there, my friend. $100 oh. per kilogram, that's more expensive than steak. I should just eat hydrogen. It's a delicacy. <laughs> well, the problem is it's so hard to weigh it because you put it in something and it just floats away. Oh, boo. The other uh, major components, oxygen, uh, there's 43 kilograms and about $3 a kilogram. That's $129. Mm-hmm. So hydrogen costs 30 times as much as oxygen. oxygen. Mm-hmm. Carbon, 16 kilograms at $24 a kilogram. It comes to $384 total value for your body. Mm-hmm. So with all of these numbers, comes to $1,890.34, but then there's the other 39 elements. However, with their quantity so low, it only works out to about $95. So the grand total, $1,985.77. Yeah, but that's not what it's going to be valued to a body snatcher, because he's just selling you for meat. That's true. They're not doing anything with the elements in your body. Yeah. They're just kind of totally losing value. <laughs> yeah. Dissecting it and looking if, at it. If he threw you into some kind of like, chemical that could break down a body <laughs> so into kinda, its component elements, some soda <laughs> that was you caustic. Need, you, no, he'd need like a giant body centrifuge to like have you break up into your component <laughs> elemental parts, right? We should make that centrifuge. Yeah. It's the official caustic soda body breakdown <laughs> centrifuge playset. <laughs> For your children. <laughs> Every guest gets a spin on the chair. (laughs) Put in a mouse, put in a rat, put in a baby. (laughs) All of me. Why not take all of me? Can't you see? 
I'm no good without you Take my lips I want to lose them Take my arms I'll never use them Your goodbye Left me with eyes that cry How can I Go on, dear, without you You took a part That once was my heart So why not take all of me Your goodbye Left me with eyes that cry How can I go on, dear, without you? You know that you took a part that once was my heart. So why not take all of me? In the news... November 2011. Ooh. In the town of Nizhny Novgorod, 200 miles east of Russia, okay. the mummified bodies of 29 young women have been found in the apartment of a 45-year-old grave-robbing historian, Anatoly Moskvin. Okay. Think that's on his business card, grave-robbing historian? <laughs> yes, I do. The renowned expert on local cemeteries had his ghastly obsession uncovered when his parents visited him after returning from a holiday. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Just uh, door flinging open while masturbating at home just yeah. flashed in front of my eyes, except this time there's corpses in my room. <laughs> the girls all aged between 15 and 25 were dressed as dolls with colorful dresses, stockings, and scarves. You're not a historian! <laughs> He even made one look like a teddy bear. Oh. They were, as oh. history would often portray them. <laughs> you know, historians have other interests besides history, you know. Yeah, he's not defined by history, Joe. Oh, I see. He's a historical gra- he's, he's a graveyard historian. But this is just a side thing. <laughs> yeah, this is a hobby. Unrelated. Oh, okay. yeah, unrelated entirely. Uh, they were all carefully set up in various poses throughout the three-room apartment. Mm-hmm. Some feature a recording device embedded in the chest that plays children's songs oh when touched. Oh, my as, wow. as the police discovered when they were starting to move the bodies. Oh, my God. I love you. You love me. Let's get buried as a family. Please tell me you know what the bodies say. Oh, they just told uh, children's songs. Yeah, it was... Okay. Um, I can't remember. Rockabye what, baby. It was a. It was an old Russian song, like a, the bear gets the honey or something oh, okay. like that. Okay, Peter the Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was said to have carried the dried remains in plastic bags. They were disinterred from one to fifteen years ago. Okay. His arrest followed a long-standing operation into the desecration of several graves in cemeteries across the city. Moskvin, a self-confessed enthusiast has written several articles on necrology, the study of the recently dead. Mm -hmm. He holds a postgraduate degree in Celtic sciences and is respected in the scientific community. He is said to speak 13 languages and have a vast knowledge of history on which he used to lecture at a local museum. 
In 2007, he told Russian newspaper, which I won't try to pronounce, <laughs> that he had visited more than 750 cemeteries, often covering long distances on foot, drinking from puddles, and sleeping in a coffin on more than one occasion. Drinking from puddles? Why would he bother drinking from puddles? Uh, I guess he just didn't plan very well. <laughs> he, he's not a good planner. He doesn't want to carry around a bottle of water like, uh, uh -huh. that could slosh and make noise. <laughs> Although, don't knock it till you try it, Kevin. I guess that's true. I can't argue with that. Uh, when police searched the apartment, they found piles of gravestone plaques stocked on the shelves, maps of graves scattered around the tables, bones and skulls here and there. Call back to our hoarding episode. I have seen the photos. Oh, really? It's basically like hoarders with corpses. He's a graveyard hoarder. Wow. He claims he first became interested in, in necrology when, at the age of 12, he attended the funeral of an 11-year-old girl. She was laid out in an open coffin, and he was obliged to kiss her. Obliged. Obliged. Yeah. I had to do it. Mm -hmm. I had no choice. Her eyes said yes. What was left of them. <laughs> Your lips don't say anything, and your eyes say yes. <laughs> so this is July of 2012. July 3rd, 2012. Dentures of two of the world's most famous composers have allegedly been stolen from their graves by a Slovak man who boasts of his crimes on YouTube, <laughs> saying that he intends to use the purloin choppers to start a museum. There's no such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> Apparently not. And uh, I will link uh, or embed this video. It's the guy talking to the camera in, I guess, uh, Czech or Slovak Slovak or something uh, like that. Who, so whose teeth has he stolen? Uh, okay. Andrei Yakaj is his name. The self-confessed thief says the teeth he extracted from the tombs of famous 19th century composers Johann Strauss mm. and Johannes Brahms will oh. be part of an ex exhibition of hundreds of objects plundered from more ordinary graves. Well, it is known, well known. Mm -hmm. That their musical ability came from their teeth, much yeah. like Samson and his hair. He should actually make dentures out of them and, like, and you know, uh, rent them out to They're musicians. They're like magic, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you just put, you knock out all your teeth. Yeah, you, you put in uh, the magic Brahms dentures, <laughs> and boom, musical genius. It's it's your it's your toothy muse. Ooh. Hey, it's that or selling your soul to the devil. But you can't play piano. You can only play castanets by rapidly chattering the teeth. <laughs> Tickling the old ivories. <laughs> <clears throat> the man was identified in Austrian media reports simply by his initials OJ, hmm. but a search on the internet reveals Andres Yakaj, who calls himself the Freedom Undertaker. Hey, he's looking out for all of us. <laughs> taking his internet viewers on a tour of Graves of Honor in the Viennese Central Cemetery, saying that someone has opened the crypts, pointing out fresh dirt uncovered around the tombs. Mm, someone. <laughs> In one video, Yakaj gives a tour of his macabre collection of stolen teeth and at one point narrates, And now we come to the major pedestal. On the top are the teeth of Johann Strauss Jr. To the left are the dentures of his wife, Adele Strauss. <laughs> to the right, we have the rubber prosthesis of Johannes Brahms. Here I, as an amateur, have managed to build illegal historical collection of dental works. He is a true midnight dentist. A true. And wow. these are all like prosthetics. These are not like actual parts of the body. So, yeah. So, wait, is this even. So, is that good is, or bad? I don't, can't decide. Well, is he, this a crime? He has the actual teeth of Johann Strauss. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. there, some of them are actual teeth. Some are dentures. Some are prosthetics. I guess this is more the grave robbing than the body snatching. Right, yes, right, right. I guess so. Fair enough. Uh, so, are, are, have they apprehended him? Has he now gone to not jail? Yet. Uh, there's been no. The July 3rd was when the story went up. I haven't found anything since except for. A uh, historian who works at, I believe, the University of Alberta, I hope I get that right, who sent a letter 
to Andre Jacage and got a oh, reply. Jay. Oh, yeah. okay. It's kind of a crazy response. It's long, so what I'm going to do is I'll link it. And then, finally, February 2012, England. There is a grave problem at Radnor Street Cemetery in oh, Swindon, England. Punny. No, no, no. The graveyard has been around since 1881 and holds 33,000 deceased Brits. Woo. It's been only recently, however, that badgers have burrowed underneath numerous graves and brought bones to the surface, a distressing situation for the relatives of those interred there. Okay. In some places, they have burrowed right under the graves, toppling some headstones and, more disturbingly, depositing human bones on the surface. Are we sure this isn't just some uh, grave robber in a badger suit? (laughs) (laughs) It's the midnight badger who strikes at midnight. (laughs) A spokesperson for the Swindon Town Council says nothing can be done to remove the grave-disturbing critters because the cemetery was designated a nature reserve in 2005, making it illegal to badger the badgers. Oh, wow. These are two arms of government directly (laughs) opposed to one another. Licenses to move badgers are only granted in exceptional circumstances. I guess this doesn't count as an exceptional circumstance. I guess. There have been occasions over the years where human remains have been found above the ground in the cemetery, and we have reinterred those as close to the original graves as possible. But how the hell do they know where it, which grave it yeah, came from? Yeah, I <laughs> Feels like they're just like, just throw it in a hole. <laughs> That's a lot of work for volunteers like Reverend Simon Schuler, who has been forced to carry out regular patrols to pick up stray bones, store mm-hmm. them, and reinter them all in a new grave. Mm-hmm. Because the dens are under the grave, he is not allowed to bury the bones in their rightful place because of the badger dens, known as a set, by oh, the way. Mm-hmm. so that would be disturbing the badgers. Yeah. You can't put them back where they, where they came from. Quote, unquote, belong. Right. Yeah. I've been told to carry out a monthly bone patrol, collect them all up, and reinter them in a new grave. It is ridiculous. If I decided to dig up a grave and build an extension for the church or something, there'd be hell to pay. Yet here we have people who are having their bones scattered to the whim of someone sitting in an office miles away. <laughs> Although locals like Reverend Schuler have a bone to pick with oh the grave-robbing patchers. It's like the third terrible <laughs> pun in a row. But listen, y- you work at this little... This little newspaper, you never get a, a story like this that lets Now's you... That's my chance. I've oh, been saving up all these graveyard jokes. He so wants to work for the New York Post. <laughs> like, that's the tragedy. He's not even aspiring to a good newspaper. Uh, but help could be on the way. By this summer, the Swindon Town Council is looking into building one-way doors at the opening of the sets that would allow the badger to exit but not go back inside. It seems like a stopgap It's like a... Uh, solution. A badger door. Yeah. One-way mm-hmm. badger door. Like, right. like they couldn't dig around Yeah, it. I was about to say. They're kind of I mean, good at digging those just badgers. dig a new hole? Yeah. And then uh, pop culture. What do you got, Torn? I've got The Body Snatcher from 1945, starring Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Okay, that sounds right. That sounds a little too on the nose. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Should we skip it? Sounds like it exactly <laughs> describes what we've been talking about. Boring. Plot. A ruthless doctor and his young prize student find themselves continually harassed by their murderous supplier of illegal cadavers. Oh, cool. Based on a Robert Louis Stevenson short story of the same name that was very loosely based on a true story of Burke and Hare. Have you guys heard of Burke and Hare? Yeah, I have. And actually, they're, somebody's making a Burke and Hare movie right now. Oh. Well, it comes up a lot in uh, 
grave robbing and body snatching, but these guys never actually snatched bodies from. They never actually dug up a corpse. They just murdered people. They just murdered people yes. and sold them to the to the um, medical universities. And yeah, whatnot. I think I just read something like uh, Simon Pegg is actually going to star in it or something. It apparently was released already in 2011. There you go. Came out last year. Oh, and Andy Circus. Simon Pegg and Andy Circus as William Burke and William Hare, respectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not Body Snatchers. Directed by John Landis. How did we not hear about this? Because John Landis is now crazy? Okay. 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. So not a great movie. But it, with Andy Serkis and uh, Simon, Pegg. Simon Pegg in the lead roles... I'll watch it. it. It must be a comedy. I would guess so. Yeah. But going back to The Body Snatcher... Yeah. Uh-huh. Really good movie. Oh. Oh, wow. Not super crazy good. Right. But for an old-timey movie, you know, you always think of like... Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and all those guys. Oh, they're old-timey movie well, scary guys. The, the they universal, just go, yeah. and that's their thing, right? They're universal monsters, right? Yeah. yeah. Boris Karloff was really good as mm. the kind of creepy body snatcher, but you don't know how far he'll go yeah. until well, they show you how far he'll go. I mean, but, And his motivation is very interesting. It's I would recommend. So there's that. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're like characters of themselves, but this is an actual good movie. Yeah, I started watching it just kind of like, oh, this is the movie I have to watch to research the Body Snatchers episode because it's called Body Snatchers. And I was like, this is great. All right. <laughs> cool. I love it. Good times. Now, uh, most versions of Frankenstein have body snatching as the primary method of, of retrieving materials. Of course. For How monster. else are you going to build a, a person out mm-hmm. of old person parts? <laughs> There's no other way I can think yeah. of. Yeah. And, of course, Young Frankenstein from 1974. That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Love that. Love that movie. Gene mm-hmm. Wilder, Terry Garr, Marty Feldman, Madeline Kahn. What's not to like? I can yeah. watch it over and over and over again. That movie is so funny and great. Yeah. Did you know that uh, when Mel Brooks was preparing Young Frankenstein, he found that Ken Strickfadden, who had made the elaborate, elaborate electrical machinery for the lab sequences in the Universal Frankenstein films, uh, was still alive? Oh, really? He visited Strickfadden and found that he'd saved all the equipment in his garage. Really? So Brooks made a deal to uh, rent the equipment for the film and gave Strickfadden credit, which he did not receive in the original Frankenstein. Oh, wow. I I like Mel Brooks now even more. (laughs) Well, I like Mel Brooks before, although he hasn't been funny lately. Yeah, he hasn't been funny for a while. Any other Frankenstein stuff we want to talk about? I'm not a huge Frankenstein fan. I couldn't even, I, I, you know how you, everybody, you always get in your head, I'm going to read these classic books, yeah. and I tried to read Frankenstein, and it's written like a diary. Oh, I think it's, Frankenstein the novel is fantastic. Really? I like it a lot, and I think one of the problems with uh, the movies is that they don't do the book justice. Okay, in what way? I, I think it's just a fantastic gothic tale with, you know, this... Um, uh, fall from grace and mm. you know uh, uh because of course in the book frankenstein's monster is not this like brainless hideous beast right right like he learns how to speak and he learns how to read and write and he you know has opinions and you know as portrayed by robert de niro <laughs> oh, god in, don't, uh... don't even get me started on that one because kenneth Branagh thinks that he can rewrite like a novel that's been studied for 200 years <laughs> So, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that novel. Okay, I just, uh, and I haven't been able to get through even enough of it to judge it. Mm, It's just the writing style, like that old-fashioned day-by-day writing in your diary method of telling the story, kind of, or telling, it's letters and collected stuff like that, right? Do you, um, uh, do you like any novels 
from like before the 20th century? Probably mostly no. Yeah, okay. So, you know, right. maybe it's just not your thing. The, the old style of storytelling just it's it drags on me. So it's a, right. it's, it is a hard slog. Okay. Well, there you go. But I I understand like I I understand from having read other people say exactly the same thing that yeah, the Frankenstein monster is not just a mindless monster that gets frightened and chased by people with pitchforks. It's right. actually like he, he when he goes out, he meets somebody who teaches a yeah, blind well, man, right? Yeah. Who can't tell that he's a monster. That's right. That's a lovely tale. Like that, the blind man can't tell that this guy's this horrible disfigured person, so sees the nice guy inside, and yeah, yeah. Or the amalgamation of nice guys getting back to grave robbing because he's made up of body parts that were stolen and sewed together. But there's, I mean, and, and two, it's this like science triumphing over God is really like uh, the kind of undercurrent for the whole theme and plot in the story, right? Yeah. Because you've got a man creating a man, right? Right. And which is like, you know, God's bailiwick and he, humanity is taking that power away, right? So it's like I, I it's funny because I thought that you would really get into that kind it's of stuff. It's also right? spitting in the eye of women. <laughs> didn't didn't need you. I made a man. Yeah, there you go. Didn't need a woman. <laughs> spitting in the face of vaginas. Now, Torin, HP Lovecraft wrote about a couple of grave robbers, at least, right? Yeah, he uh, in The Hound, there's a couple of grave robbers who just like to rob graves for shits and giggles, and then they find themselves being stalked by some kind of horrible monster that is unnameable and unknowable, although it's called the hound, but probably not a hound mm. you know, i'd like to say when you're doing something for shits and giggles you could shorten it to shiggles to shiggles mm -hmm. yeah, sure yeah. fair enough shiggles okay mm -hmm. let's do that then and there is hinting of grave robbing and uh body and, snatching in the case of charles dexter ward but it's not uh, really major part of the story there also is the movie i sell the dead from 2008 starring dominic monahan mm -hmm. yeah he's one of the um one of the frodo's one, one of the, the one, one of the hobbits one, one of the, the shirelings from, yes like, yeah, the Precisely. guy from lost the uh, the heroin addict uh, yeah. guy from lost and i started to watch this movie i didn't get all the way through um i wasn't impressed with it for a number of reasons okay uh it seemed to be a little too artsy in places and the music wasn't really very good uh, but then as i started to watch it it's when they introduced another third character then I started to get a little bit introduced, but then that character died almost immediately. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it also stars Ron Perlman. Basically, Dominic Monaghan is recounting all of these various tales. So it's almost okay. kind of like an anthology movie with the same characters. With vignettes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And Ron Perlman is this priest, who, and Dominic Monaghan was caught and is scheduled to be executed or whatever. And but so was Ron Perlman is just like, taking the notes. Is it like set like in the 19th century and there are body snatchers who are selling them to medical experimentation? and is that yes that is exactly the case and there's undead involved oh they dig up a vampire and oh. like what is this and they pull the stake out of the chest body and yeah. then the vampire comes to life and then that they stick it back seems in seems random it is it did seem very random because i thought it was going to be like more like a historical yeah well, not, even if it wasn't more historical if it was less a vampire movie yeah because <laughs> that kind of really ruined the mood for me right that right yeah, took can, you out of it yeah yeah probably they were writing it and it was going to be this cool funny movie about some grave robbers and kind of dark and weird and gross and then somebody said we should totally just have zombies and no vampires. it's 2008 so like hey vampires are hot twilight oh, movies yeah, yeah, make yeah. a quadrillion dollars put a vampire in we it. really like this movie but you're gonna have to add vampires yeah <laughs> everything gets a vampire every movie we're making this year gets a vampire Although I will note, it's seventy four percent positive uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, and that's not, pretty uh, good. Torn is in firmly in the twenty six. 
I didn't watch it all the way through. I can't oh. I can't give it a rating for sure. So if anyone else has any insights, go to CausticSodaPodcast.com and mention them in the comments. Yeah, leave us What's some, your favorite grave robbing movie? The only thing for games that I have is, remember Talisman? Yeah. The aptly named grave robber character has a special ability that allows him to encounter the top card on the discard pile instead of drawing a card for their space yeah. as normal. Yeah. So, like, he's digging up a body. Like yeah. He's going back to the yeah, exactly. well. Or something I, that's if been... I recall, that was a pretty good ability to have. <laughs> now, in Talisman, it's a board game, okay. but there's a whole bunch of character cards you can get. And you randomly, okay. normally randomly, I think you can also choose to just pick. But you want to do it randomly because it's the best that way. You randomly get a character. there are some that are much more superior Some that other. are really, the monk. The monk is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't remember what he does. Well, you either have this, like, strength ability or this, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, will. It's been a long time since I've played. You've basically right. got physical combat and mental combat. The, and you have these two stats, and all you do is you, I think, roll a dice and add a number or something like that. He gets to add both his stats together for his combat. I was in New York one time, and uh, I love going to the Metropolitan Museum, the one right there on Central Park. They always have different exhibitions that go through there. And one time they had St. Francis of Assisi exhibition, mm-hmm. and they had a room full of uh, Catholic reliquaries. And reliquaries are basically pieces of like incredibly religious things that are put in these like tiny little vessels. It's rumored that they're imbued with powers as a result. Sure. Divine powers, just like the Ark. Exactly. So there was like one of the reliquaries had like. And you went uh, in there and somebody was like, shut your eyes, Kevin. Don't look. (laughs) Whatever you do, whatever you hear, don't look. Uh, Like they'll have one that have like a lock of hair from like St. John the Baptist. And they'll have like a finger bone from some other saint. So Here's the bowel movement from. Yeah. So I was kinda, I, the funny thing is, I was looking at these reliquaries, most of which are kind of enclosed. You can't actually see the thing that's supposed to be right. inside. They just say, oh, it's in there. And then I think to myself, oh, yeah, right. They're just expecting people to have faith that it's in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. These are, <laughs> this is the crazy church business. Yeah. But uh, the first thing that occurred to me, I was like, I wonder if they... Because these reliquaries were made, like, supposedly thousands of years after these people died, right? Yeah. And that, it, oh, these... Things were passed down from person to person, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We just mm. put this in this reliquary, like, in, like, 1542 or whatever, right? It's written. And I, I always wondered, like, I, I thought that there, was, there was probably a little body snatching going on to create reliquaries. Actually, there was a whole con artistry going on to create yeah. reliquaries. There were people who would just travel around selling relics yeah. to small churches. And the churches would—the theory is that they kind of knew that it was bunk— but they but, didn't care. But it was a big draw to have a relic in right. your church, so you would pay the guy, even though you knew it was fake, and yeah. take it and set it up. And then maybe some were actually conned. But yeah, there's a, so many of those are found to just be bunk. Like they just yeah. dug up some bodies and then sold parts of it to say it was part of a saint. There's a officially sanctioned body snatching. It's a hobby I can get behind. Really? You got a new career on the horizon? New Facebook event coming up. <laughs> Reliquary Hunter. Ah, there you go. That's the button. T-shirts. Say, Axandle, recording the Horse Track Hooligans program really leaves my throat raw and irritated. I've got just the thing for that. The Caustic Soda Radio Hour. A richer, bolder, more pleasing podcast. Say, is that the one with the unfiltered, full-bodied recording by Mr. Mike Leeson Esquire? Say, it sure is. Now, can I find that at my local pharmacy or dry goods store? (laughs) You'll only find a barrel of crackers or plug tobacco there. 
No, Caustic Soda can be found at causticsodapodcast.com. Will there be Gibson girls there? Heck no, but you can find videos, pictures, links, and even Caustic Soda ringtones for your wireless set. That sounds great. Say, how much is this going to cost me? That's just it, Flatcap. Caustic Soda is free to download. But if you like what you hear, feel free to make a donation. Yeah, a few spondulics will keep the gas lights on and the laughs at full gallop. And if you don't agree that Caustic Soda is the richer, smoother, more pleasing podcast, send your questions and comments to info at causticsodapodcast.com and rate and review them on iTunes. Caustic Soda Podcast, a superlative blend of science and comedy with almost no polio. <laughs>